want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to Click. start the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. It is Friday. It is the Friday podcast. So thank you for finding me once again. Whether it's on any of the streaming services, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, I don't know. You know, you know what I'm talking about at this point. Hit the bell. Hit the like. Subscribe. You know, uh, hit that alert. Hit just hit something. Whatever it is that makes things happen when it comes to podcasts that you need to hit. Just hit it already, okay? Uh, do that for me. If you are on HiPodImDad.com, give it a bookmark. Come back every Friday. I'm here with another edition of this show. I have to do it. I don't know. At this point, it's it's part of my therapy, I feel like. Just talking, letting you guys know where I'm coming from feels good. So I'm here every single Friday. Just like Monday, Wednesday, I am an upholder. I talked about that this week in the blogs. If I say I'm going to do something, I just do it. So I've always told myself from the beginning, blog, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, podcast, and I try to always come through with that. So come back. You'll hear it every single week. Thank you. Oh, man. Yeah, it's been a week. It's been a good week, I think. I'm, I'm feeling really good. I think I talked about this last week. One of the things that, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's a mental thing or if it's just how I approach the world. I always have these before and after moments where something will happen. And all of a sudden, I'm just different. You know, and I don't think people understand that. You know, I, I've talked about my life, for example. I talk about my divorce that I went through a few years ago. For the longest time, I was kind of in that rut. This is my life. And I don't think you guys fully understand how I lived then versus how I live now and how things are different. A lot of my days were spent um, in my office, which nowadays is the same kind of thing. I'm in front of my computer a lot. I do a lot of work in front of the computer. I do writing for the blog. Uh, I'm also the managing editor of onthestrip.com. Throw that plug in there once in a while. It is a Las Vegas site for travel. It is amazing. I love the people there. I love being a part of it. Uh, so I'm doing that. I'm working on some other projects that I can't yet talk about, but I will very soon. I'm very excited about those too. Uh, different people I work with, different things that I do. I'm in front of the computer a lot. But in my old life, my past life, I spent the bulk of my day, all of my day almost, in this one office in the bottom of the house, in the basement, so to speak. And before that, it was an office that was in, you know, the main house, but it was, you know, again, no windows, just kind of closed off. My last house, I had windows, I had birds. I do miss the birds a little bit. That said, that was my life. And I went day to day to day and I kind of accepted it. Kids would come home, hang out with the kids. I was always giving like, I was perpetually giving like 70% of me. You know, when the kids were around, we hung out, but for the most part, I just kind of lay around. I would fall asleep on the couch, you know, just living that way. And then one day, things happened, you know, not major things, but enough to kind of wake me up. And it changed my point of view. And I decided I don't want to live like this anymore. And I didn't decide to get divorced overnight, but I did decide a lot of changes I wanted to make. And what ends up happening is you start making changes in your life, and then people either they're on board or they're not on board, and you go forward. 
It's not about divorce. The idea is about the way I think changing. And I had one of those moments this week, and I don't know what it was, or the last two weeks, I would say. I do kind of have an idea of what it was. I think a lot of it had to do, as you guys know, my daughter, my son, uh, they're Jewish. Uh, I mean, Lucas is technically Jewish. I don't know. I always make the joke that I'm going to Archie bunker him, just take him, get him baptized, not tell anybody. Coming very close to it. I don't know. I think even if I were to have done it already, I would still be joking about it as if I would do it just because, I don't know, whatever. So leave that for you guys to think about. Either way, my daughter had her bar mitzvah uh, a few weeks ago. And it predated my divorce because we had started planning this, or actually they had started planning this. I wasn't involved really with the bar mitzvah situation uh, prior to me even moving out of the house. But then COVID happened, so everything got pushed off. So this has been a theme, something that I had been anticipating literally for years. And when the divorce happened, I kept thinking about it. What am I going to do? I'm going to be around these people. As you guys know too, I am estranged from my birth family. I don't talk to people that I grew up with. So none of my family were there. Most of the friends that we had were people that I hadn't really interacted with too much since being divorced. I mean, once in a while, you go on Facebook, you like their stuff, you drop them an email, whatever. Um, but I don't see them anymore. My daughter's, you know, she's not grown, but she's a teenager now. There's no more Girl Scout events. There's no more little kid things to do. I mean, and Lucas, Lucas is cool as hell. He's got his friends. I see them when I see them. Um, but it's not like anybody was going to be at this event that I had seen on a regular basis. So I had a lot of, I don't know if it was anxiety. I hate to use the word anxiety because I don't really get anxiety in the sense where I'm just like, oh my God. And I know what that feeling was. When I was a kid, I remember getting it for tests. I remember the Regents exam causing me to go into a tailspin mentally. Since my heart surgery, I don't get anxiety. But what ends up happening is the anxiety manifests itself in different ways, whether it's physically where I'll get achy and I can't, I'll notice it. I'll be going up and down the stairs in my house. I have two flights of stairs that I go up and down all the time. Uh, it's just part of just life. And there'd be some days where I feel like I can't even move as I'm going up and down the stairs. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, oh, I'm worried. <laughs> like I start thinking about all the things that have going on. Um, or it just affects my mood. My mood goes all over the place. My brain tells me to act this way or do that. I struggle a lot with those things. So I had that. I had that for years. And then the bat mitzvah happened. And it was fine. People were nice to me. My daughter was happy. I got to be a part of it. Uh, there were situations among it where some, in certain parts I didn't feel as welcome, certain parts I didn't enjoy as much, all that. But by and large, overall, it was a great event. And it's over. And that was the before and after moment, I think, for me. And there were other aspects to my life around that too. But it was one of those things where it was like, oh, okay, this is where I'm at. You know, I've been out of my house now for over a year. We're now seeing other people. I'm seeing where I fit in with this. I'm seeing how people see me. That's another part of it too that I don't think people get when it comes to divorce is that for so long, you're kind of uh, tethered to another human being. And that person's uh, victories and failures are all linked to you, at least in your own mind. I would worry, you know, if, if my ex would do something, if people saw that as a part of me, whether it was a positive or a negative. You know, she would, you know, not return a phone call. Are they thinking bad of me? Or if she did something good, are people thinking that I'm good? But once you don't have that anymore, once you're no longer, it actually I mean, almost goes in reverse, where you go from being linked to a person where everything she does, people assume that you're on board with, to the opposite, where everything she does, people assume I'm not on board with. But regardless, it makes me my own person. And I felt good. And I was able to interact with these other parents and people that I hadn't seen, even her family members, in ways where it was like, this is who I am. This is my individuality um, and what I do. And I think out of every single person 
at the event, there's only one that I didn't really talk to. I don't want to talk to that person anyway. And I came out of it. I came out the other side. And I feel good. And I feel like I'm piecing myself back together in all the positive ways. And one of the things that comes out of that is realizing that you are good enough or me realizing that I'm good enough for the things that I do. I've struggled with that. I have felt damaged my whole life. Honestly, give you guys some honesty. You want some honesty? I'll give you some honesty. It's difficult to come from a place where you didn't feel valued and transition to another place where you didn't really feel valued. And that's kind of what happened with me. My childhood was a certain way. I didn't feel the best about myself. And then I moved into my married life where I felt better than childhood. Childhood was a nightmare. But I wasn't in a good place. I was in a better place. I never was in this place where I'm at right now. And when that happens, you start to question everything about yourself and about the relationships that you had. And I did that. You know, I've talked about that blog that I wrote a year ago called I Lose People. That was one of my most, you know, stripped blogs ever, where I just like really just I ripped away all the exterior stuff. It was that one and the inner monologue one, I think were two of my most on the table things to the point where I heard from people about both of them. Like, you're right. I had one person was like, I don't like this one. This isn't you. And I'm thinking, dude, this is total. This is, this one's the most me of everything at this point. Because my I go all over the place, you know, my moods and you blame yourself and you piece, piece, piece things together. Excuse me. You try to figure out why things happen the way they do why people see you the way they do, why you lose people. And I work with that. And I think the biggest problem that comes out of that feeling is the idea that you're just not good enough. And the people who want to be in your life, what do they want to be here for? Like, what do you want? Why are you here? Nobody wants to be here. Why do you want to be here? You know, I don't talk to family. I I got divorced. I have all these issues. Why do you want to be here? And now... 2022, I'm finally accepting that some people are here because they're here, you know? I've spoken about my son's best friend, Christian. I love this kid. This kid is fantastic. He has known my son since they were like two. They went to this school uh, for kids on the spectrum. They met there, met his family. They've always been great. And I've talked about spending Christmas with them and spending Christmas with his mom and his grandma. Uh, His mother, Lauren, is amazing. I love having her in my life. I'm lucky to have her in my life. In every way, as, as a friend, as somebody by my side, as somebody who cares about me. And I could say that to you guys. I could tell you point blank how happy I am to have this woman here with me. And how long it took me to wrap my head around the fact that this person was in my life. You know, I see her as amazing. I see her as, uh, she's more, you know, I, I think the whole world is more well-adjusted than me. Okay, just, I just want to put that out there too. I know the blogs come across and people are like, this guy's got his uh, shit together. Mm, not always. So there's definitely times where I'm like, I don't, I don't really feel so put together. So I definitely think that she's on a, on a better plane than I am. And I could never understand why she wanted to be around me to the point where I would push her away. I would push away anybody who was positive in my life. You not only push them away 
out of that sense of self-deprecating, I don't deserve good people in my life. But I pushed her away in the sense that I couldn't subject her to me, you know? And a year ago, I was in a bad place. A year ago, my podcast, my blogs, everything was very different in how I presented myself and how I saw the world. I was scared a year ago. I had never lived alone. I had never taken care of everything myself, you know? Um, I had been slowly during my marriage, you know, taking more responsibility on and, and learning how to do things, but I had never really 100% been just an adult in my own right alone. And I was scared. And I don't have a safety net, as you guys know, it's my family. So it wasn't like I had somebody to call. I can't like, oh, hey, I need, you know, some cookies and money. No, you don't. I didn't get to do that. So I really jumped out. And this is how I put it in the blog last week. I jumped out of a plane um, that I expected to ride on until I died. Jumped out parachute i don't know so i wasn't in a good place a year ago and i didn't want this person to realize that because she thought great things about me and it sounds i mean i it's so tough to talk to you guys about this because it sounds pathetic when you say it out loud but it's the truth like you have somebody who sees you a certain way in a good way and you don't feel that way and you don't want them to discover who you think you really are so I tried, man. I, I, I tried to push her away. But then as time went on, I tried to better myself. I was bettering myself the whole time, trying to get more secure with my life and more secure with the things around me and more secure with all that stuff um, to the point where I felt I was ready for somebody to see me for who I am and not so worried that I would disappoint them. Don't get me wrong. I'm still worried. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I don't think like, I'm amazing. I definitely have... Um, a good feeling, I don't know, higher self-worth, however you want to put the term. Uh, so I do feel better. But I also feel like I deserve to have in my life people who do genuinely want me there, do genuinely care about me. And Lauren cares about me. You know, she's showed me things that I deserve that I never knew about. You know, I've talked about this before too. I, I don't come from a place where we have celebrations of things that I do. I came, I come out with a new book. It was always like, it's cool. You got a book. Like Lauren gets excited about the things that I'm working on. Lauren gets excited about my project. She gets excited about things that make me happy. Um, and it feels good. It feels good to have her in my life. And I think that for me, being able to accept that, not only being able to accept that, but also to be able to reciprocate that too. Because when you push people away, you know, when you talk about like, I don't think I deserve, you know, happiness. I don't deserve love. I don't deserve these things you make this concerted effort to kind of like push against it, you know, to get people out of your life. So I wasn't giving back what I was getting and, and all these things. I just, it's a lot of disappointment in how I handled myself. And here's what makes the whole thing to me such a beautiful thing. And I'm so happy about it is the fact that with most people, if you do that to them, to take this from me as somebody who's done this, and not just with relationships, but with like friendships and any kind of thing, um, people do go away. You treat people like this long enough, you know, I don't know, you don't, why are you even here? They go. They're like, all right, peace. I don't have time for this. You're like, oh, you left? Why would you leave? You know, then you sound like an idiot. She didn't leave. She stuck by me uh, and she's made me happy. And I am, I am blessed to have her in my life. I'm so happy. Her and, and Christian and her mom too. Her mom's awesome, Carol. I love just the, the people that are there for me now. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to Lucas. It means a lot to my daughter, Olivia. It means a lot to all of us to just know that at this point, 
uh, in my life, I'm content, I'm happy, and I'm genuinely grateful for the people that we found and the people that we can share our time with. So yeah, I just wanted to say that because I don't know, it's hard, man, when you when you find somebody that you care about, somebody that you love, that you can have in your life, um, but the problem isn't them, it's you, you know? And this is one of those times people say that stuff all the time. They're like, it's not you, it's me. And it sounds like you know, nonsense. It's true. It, it was never her, it was always me. It was always that concern about not being good enough or not being ready or there being something broken inside of me. Um, is there something broken inside of me? I don't know, maybe. Maybe it's a little, little broken here and there, but I think I'm learning to repair it. I'm learning to fix it. And I'm learning to come out the other end. And I feel really good about this. And I thank you guys too. I don't know if I've said this enough, but like being able to do this, being able to write these blogs and, and do these podcasts where I really honest to God, like it's like Natalie Imbruglia, man, just like lying naked on the floor, just spread out. This is who I am. It's all on the table. I don't hide it. I'm not afraid to hide it. I don't understand that either. That's something that I discovered when I first started writing about Lucas. I remember being worried that people were going to be mean about it. But here's the power of being able to say these things out loud. Even everything that I said here today, being able to say these things out loud, there's a power to it. And the reason why is the things that we're embarrassed about, the things that we tell ourselves not to talk about are things that we're worried somebody else will bring up to us. Prior to writing about Lucas, my fear was always that somebody was going to bring him up in a negative way. And I'd be like, oh, but I brought him up first. You know, it was mine to talk about. He's my son. And if you start to show that you're not afraid of any of these things, anything about your life, whether it's it's your fear about, you know, your, your child has special needs and you're afraid of it, or whether it's your own mental health or it's your own you know physical health or, you know, the inability to be loved, all these things that we talk about in our own heads and we're scared that the rest of the world is going to judge us for it. They're not going to judge you for it because everybody goes through it. You're not unique. It's like Tyler Durden, man. You're not, you're not special. We're all kind of pieces of each other, you know? So if I'm going through this year, you might be going through this. You're probably going through this. You know people who are going through this. These are all common things that we all deal with. The only difference is I'm saying it out loud. And I know that the more people that hear it, like the fear is, and it's a fear when you're like a child, that you're going to go out there and say to somebody like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm worried that no one's going to love me. And then the other kids in third grade are like, ah, nobody loves you, unlovable. And you're just like, shut up. But now you're an adult. And now you say, I'm really afraid that, you know, people aren't going to love me. And people hear that. And maybe you get the one dipstick that's going to make, you know, make a joke. But most people are going to be like, I relate to that. Yeah, I feel that way. Because they do. We're all very similar. So I feel good and I appreciate you guys letting me get those stories out, letting me get those things out, letting me tell you about my life. I want to tell you more and more as I can as I go forward, tell you guys stories about, you know, spending time with one of my favorite things. One of the best parts uh, about Christian and Lauren being in our life is that I've always wanted my son to have a friend, right? Lucas had friends at school and I had pushed in my previous life for Lucas to spend time actually with Christian. I thought they would make good friends. It just never happened. It didn't materialize. It was kind of difficult. You're not really, you know, <laughs> when you're a married man, you can't just go up to some mom at the school and be like, you want our kids to hang out? Like, it was weird. So I didn't, we, we didn't get to do that. But um, I'm so happy that he has a friend and I'm so happy, man. Like Lauren loves 
my son. Like they, she watched him uh, when my daughter got into honor society, and he's just so happy. He'll sit there and he does things with her that he doesn't do with everybody. Where like he'll dance around and he'll come over and he'll put his nose on her nose. It's really cute. We're taking pictures. He just come over and nose on the nose. Uh, she gets him. Her son is very similar to Lucas, and I love I love Christian. Man. I love spending time with Christian too. It's it's adorable to see another side of some of the things that Lucas does. You know, like Christian. I said before, like Lucas has his iPad that he's obsessed with. Christian was into balloons. He's into those little animatronic toys that they have at the holidays that dance and sing. Uh, he's great. He's got minimal language. It makes my heart melt when they say they'll be like, they're like, you know, say hi to James. He just looks up and he goes hi. And I lose it. I love it because I forget that he has any language. Lucas doesn't have any. So when he does it, I'm like, oh my God, thank you. And I give him a hug. It's just, it's brought joy into my life. And I don't, I don't want to push that away. And I don't want to apologize for it. Because there's also that worry too sometimes that you think, do I talk about this? Do I bring this up? Do I tell people about it, about this person that I found? Are they going to think that I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't be happy with somebody. I shouldn't be here. Um, no, no, I should, I should talk about it because why shouldn't I be happy? You know, it's important. I should be happy. You should be happy. We all should be happy. I almost died in 2012. And I told myself after that day that I'm going to be happy and that's the goal. So hopefully forward trajectory, happiness straight ahead. One of the things with happiness, too, that I did touch upon in the blog this week was about my son and about giving him the things that make him happy. Uh, so let's talk real quick about two of the blog posts this week. I want you guys to check it out. If you can, go to highblogomdad.com. There are like a million and a half blog posts on there, two a week, every week since February of 2017. Uh, so I have a lot of posts on there. But this one, um, I really liked writing. And it's a subject that I've touched upon before. I've talked about it in different ways. And it was called, Why I Give My Special Needs Son Everything Even If He Doesn't, quote, care, unquote. And the idea was that Lucas, he doesn't care about some of these things. Like, he doesn't expect anything and he doesn't want things. And there's very little wanting with him aside from the things that he's already comfortable with. Lucas wants a cup of water. Lucas wants pirate booty, maybe a quesadilla. <laughs> whatever else you can put in his face. Uh, and he wants his iPad or computer. That's what he wants. Um, but I go out of my way to find other things to give him, to make him happy, to give him a life that he'll be content with, even though he's already content, even though it might not seem like he cares. And the idea is to always find the things that he will enjoy and find the things that he'll love. Um, and one of the reasons I do this is because of his personality, because he doesn't ask for anything. I want to give him everything. You know, he's not duplicitous. He's not uh, mean-spirited. And don't don't get it twisted. Because I know people sometimes, I had written one years ago. I think one of my first, um, either for the Mighty or something, it was some major one that I had written. People had taken it the wrong way. They thought that by me saying that my son is not duplicitous or, you know, um, trying to project himself in a way. Because I think most people are like that, right? Most people will give you the outsider's kind of, you know, personality thing where they want a cookie. So they'll turn around and they'll, they'll butter you up for a cookie. You know, hey, you look really handsome today. That's really nice. I like those shoes. That's good. Oh, yeah, I'll take one of those cookies. Thank you. Then they take the cookie and then some of them a week later, I'll be like, I didn't even want that cookie. Remember you made me take that stupid cookie? God, you and your goddamn cookie. You're like, dude, what the hell? What is wrong with you? Lucas doesn't do that. 
And I said that, but then people got offended. Like my kid doesn't do that. I'm like, I'm not saying your kid does that. I'm just saying that he doesn't have the capability to do that. His brain doesn't work that way. It's one of the things that I love about him. It's part, I always say of, of him having autism. Maybe he wouldn't do it even if he didn't have autism, but I've always kind of equated the two. There's definitely things about his personality that are not negative like other people. And I said that one of the things that I love most about him is that when other people are shedding their snake skin and they're revealing their true colors, he's always Lucas. He's always a great kid. Uh, and I want to just really fill his life with happiness. So that was what I wrote on Monday, why I give my special needs son everything, even if he doesn't quote care, unquote. Uh, I do use the term special needs. I just want to touch upon that too, because I know that that's come up before. Uh, some of these blogs, I try to refer to him uh, in different ways, you know, because I sometimes think that just saying with autism, um, makes it kind of a difficult perspective because I know people who have autism that aren't in any way similar to my son. So talking about some of the things that are happening and putting that in the headline, I know sometimes confuses people. They get upset. Why are you talking about people with autism like this? And it's like, I'm talking about my son, not necessarily you. Um, my son would be considered special needs for most people. There's a lot of care that he requires. He's probably going to require it for the rest of his life. Um, so that's, that's how I addressed it. Now, see on Wednesday though, I switched it up nonverbal. So Every once in a while, man, the autism, nonverbal, special needs. I try to get one of those in there so people understand what the main topic is about because it is important to, to know the kid that I'm writing about. Wednesday, the hidden truth behind the phases my nonverbal child goes through. Kind of an involved title. One of the ones I struggle a little bit with how to, how to term it. But the idea was that my son has been awesome with bedtime. It's been great. He goes to bed fantastic. He's really good with that. Uh, he gets up. Okay time. I, th I think he averages out around 5 a.m. is his get-up time now. Uh, this morning, he tried to get up at 4. I was like, just go back to bed. I made him go back to bed. He went back, fell asleep, ended up getting up at 6.30. It was great. Um, but the thing is, and this was one of the hidden truths, is that it hasn't always been like this. A few weeks ago, even, he was getting up at 3 a.m. We've had times where he wouldn't sleep at all. When he was younger, he would go crazy. He would run around, and you go on vacation with him, and you have to share a bed with him. I'll never forget this. He used to do this thing, haven't seen him do it in a while, where he would sit up, right? Like kind of like, you know, uh, crisscross um, applesauce, is that the term? And he would sit up like that and he would just throw his head back onto the bed because he would bounce. So I guess he liked it. I guess he liked that violent backwards thing. So when you would share a bed with him on vacation, he would get up and do that. And he headbutt me in the side of the head so hard that like, I keep thinking of the movie Clue with Miss White, like flames, flames, flames from the side of my face. It was painful. Uh, but that's how he used to sleep. He used to sleep uh, like like a tornado. You know, I actually wrote a blog post once called My Boy Sleeps Like a Tornado all over the place. But he's gotten better. And that's one of the things about the phases is that he's doing great now, but he used to not do so great. So it's not like he's always been like this. The second truth that was in there that was hidden, spoiler alert, but read the blog anyway, is that we've gone through this before. He has had great bedtimes before and he's drifted back and forth and back and forth. This is not a constant. The rest of his life, he might go back and forth with struggling. Even with his life skills, I talked about with regression, he might forget you know, how to do certain things. You know, you go over it over and over again. You try to teach him how to wash his hands properly. And then all of a sudden he gets lazy and then he stops doing it. Uh, you try to get him to use a fork and then he doesn't want to use a fork anymore. And he's holding food in his hand so tight that it's getting all over the place. But then you teach him again. He does it for a while and goes back. These things happen. And this is something that you have to learn uh, as a parent to a child like mine in order to kind of deal with it. And it's hard. 
It's hard to deal with it. It's hard because a part of you just wants everything to be fine. Everything to just be great. You know, we're good. What's the problem? Why can't we go back? And when the things go back to the way they were before you got him over that hump, it could be difficult. You know, you question it, you wonder why, but it's not until, you know, your kid gets older and you've had a few years of doing this that you realize like, oh, this is how it happens. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not failing. It just is what it is. So yeah, hidden truth by the phases my nonverbal child goes through. That is up there on Wednesday, every Monday, every Wednesday, right? Hi, blog, I'm dad.com. Down in your browser, save it, bookmark it, come back. I will have stuff there. I do appreciate you guys checking out. And do me a favor too. If you head over to... um I guess I'll promote the Facebook page. Facebook page is the big page that uh, I feel like, you know, I, I work with the most, the one that we get the most feedback on. People have had just great things to say. I mean, really wonderful. This on on uh, Monday, Julie Bordeaux, Boudreaux, Boudreaux maybe, I'm sorry, uh, said, I love your blog. The more I... Uh, the more I read, the more I appreciate what an amazing person you are and how much Lucas contributes to this fact, which was one of the nicest things I could have read. It brightened, it really genuinely brightened my day uh, for two reasons. First of all, everybody likes to be told that they're doing a good job. And it felt good. So Julie, thank you for that. But on top of it, recognizing the fact that Lucas is a big part of that means a lot to me too, because um, he is. I think a lot of the care that I give him, it sounds like I'm doing this benevolent thing, um, but a lot of it is because of him. Because I love him, I I know what he deserves. I know what, um, I know what a unique relationship he and I have, and I also know how close we came to not really even having it. If I had let the anxiety and worry and, and fear that came about when I first learned of his diagnosis to stay, it would have really severely affected what we have. But I think it was the acceptance. It was going from autism awareness to autism acceptance to eventually the appreciation that I have today that has made he and I like have this wonderful relationship that I, I'm, I consider one of the, I consider the most unique relationship I've ever had with another person. So it, it, it is, I think a lot of the positives that I like to say that I have or like to feel that I have uh, do come from him, come from both my kids, but especially uh, a lot of the patients and a lot of the ways that I see the world definitely come from Lucas. Um, I've never seen the world the way I have until I had him and I'm blessed for it. So thank you for noticing that. And thank you for saying that it means a lot to me. Uh, everybody wants to feel good. Nobody though wants to feel old. I feel old. Why? Let me tell you. In my day, we had radio, and you couldn't see anything, and it was primitive and lousy, and we liked it. You know what makes me feel old? Here you go. Are you ready? My daughter is going to be 14 years old. 14 years old. What the hell is that? Why is my daughter going to be 14 years old? How is that even happening? I mean, I don't even know. Like, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to be like, oh, like, what are you like? In our life. No, I can't even think of a good way to put it out there because it blows my mind. I have genuine memories of 14. I felt like I was halfway to like adulthood at 14. Um, a lot of the stories I have with my friends that I tell people about were from around that time period. I remember it specifically. Everything before that, a little hazy, 13, 12. Kind of remember. Oh, I remember when I was 12, this happened or that happened. Um, 14 though, it's like a different level, you know, it's a different thing. 
that's when we started, you know, understanding kind of like how to interact with the world. I mean, seeing it through her too, through our conversations that we have and uh, talking about her teachers, the things that she has to deal with. I see that, that, that teenage uh, thought process working itself through things blows my mind, man. To give you an idea of how different it is, I have like very few memories before 14. One of the most recent ones before that age was when I was around like 12, 13 years old. And we had field day at school. And we ended field day watching a movie on the, um, one of those roller TVs, right? And this kid, um, call him Paul, right? Paul was in my grade and we were drinking fruit punch and he spilled a cup of fruit punch all over his pants while we were watching the movie and burst into tears ridiculously burst into tears and we were all like what what happened to paul are you all right dude what's the matter but he starts crying and he goes everyone's gonna say i got my period and we're all like oh my god yeah you got your period i don't know to this day i don't know why he gave us that thing to make fun of him about but i think that illustrates like being at that age where you know enough about sex in the world but also still being juvenile enough that you would do something like that that is 12 13 14 14 was like, you know, ninth grade. In my school, it was the first year of, of high school. I remember that. Um, blows my mind. 14 years old. It freaks me out too, man. I talked about the bat mitzvah earlier, but during, during it, they had done a slideshow of photos. And I'm crazy with photos. I don't know if you guys know this. I have a million photos on my computer, like thousands of photos, all of them indexed. I'm a dad. So I used to always walk around with the, with the digital camera when she was little, turn into my phone. Once the phone started taking pictures, holy God, I have so many pictures of my kids. I don't erase anything. Uh, they're all separated month by month by month. I used to make DVDs, you name it. So I have all of these pictures. So we watched this slideshow. I had sent over some to be used in the slideshow. Most of them were used. Um, and I was watching it. And it was so weird to be able to pinpoint where we were for all these pictures, whether she was a baby or a toddler and doing it. And I'm like, oh my God. But I, I, it brought me back to when she was really little because that was when I would be with her most of the time. I worked from home and it was me and her every day. Just the two of us. We watched TV, take her out, dress her up. You know, I have this picture, I made her a princess. Just really, um, some of the, the nicest times of my life really spent with this baby who I, I got to know. And I think about even at that time when she was like an infant, how I realized, I said to myself, like she is completely off the grid. I can change her name right now and it wouldn't even matter. It would just be whatever. Up until like a year I could change her. Like it doesn't, she wasn't in like a database, like maybe some, but like people, she didn't have relationships with people. She knew the people that I showed her to. You invite someone over, you want to see the baby? Now that person knows her, but it wasn't like she had no friends from school. She had no teachers. She had nobody she interacted with that I didn't know about. She was a baby. And now I'm standing here at this big party for her, surrounded by all of these kids. Most of them look, you know, grown. These girls are wearing these like women's dresses. These boys are wearing like slacks and ties. And I'm just like, what the hell? And they're all like hanging out and laughing and they all have private jokes and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. It made me feel proud. It made me feel happy. And it made me feel incredibly old. So yeah, 14, my kid's growing up. That makes me feel old. And one day, if you have a baby and you're listening to this right now, I love my baby, you're going to feel old. I feel old even with my son. My son's 11. 
And what makes me feel old with him, and it's kind of difficult with him because his personality is still very, you know, he, he in many ways acts the same way he did when he was little, but physically he's growing up. And it's not until I actually see another baby that I'll be like, oh my God, I forgot. Like I'm supposed to be able like to, I would lift him up and throw him around, but he's gigantic. You know, like I still, I give him hugs and he sits on my lap and all that other stuff, but he's a big boy, you know? Uh, so that makes me feel old too. But yeah, the aging of your children will make you feel old. You will see it. If you have kids, you will know it soon enough. If you don't have kids, have kids. And then you'll see it. Uh, even so, even if you don't have kids, man, if you have a niece or a nephew or whatever, you're going to feel it no matter what. If you know any kid in your life right now, right near you, somebody you see at holidays, every year that goes by is going to make you feel a little bit older until they have a mustache. Um, and then, you know, if it's a boy, great. If it's a girl, eh, but either way, when that kid gets old enough, you're definitely going to feel it. Uh, I feel it every single day and I'm feeling it right now uh, as my daughter continues to grow <laughs> out of control. So, yeah, that makes me feel old. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. Today's moment of sanity is a story I've told before. I've written about it. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it was one of my favorites. It was a moment that, definitely a home team moment. I think a lot of us, we defend our kids tooth and nail. We won't let anybody hurt our children. And when it comes to my son, that's a big one. Like I don't, I, I never even question it. You know what I mean? Like I think that one of the things with my daughter is there's definitely times where I don't know if I should go all in. Like if somebody bothers her, I'm like, all right, relax. She has to defend herself a little bit too. But with, with Lucas, he's kind of helpless in that respect. If you bother him a little bit, like vengeance and fury and hellfire and brimstone are going to come raining down on you. Um, I know that there's really no limits. I could just do whatever. And even if it gets really crazy, I've always thought about this too. Uh, if it gets really crazy and I end up in jail, I just tell people. I'd be like, I was defending my my special needs son. They'd be like, yeah, all right. They carry me around and I'm a hero. So yeah, bring it on. Either way, <laughs> I defend Lucas to anybody that I think is doing him wrong. And this was a couple of years ago. Uh, we were on a cruise. It was me and my ex-wife, my two kids. Uh, and it was terrible. This cruise was terrible. We went with my in-laws. They like to go on cruises. It was not, let me be honest with you. I'm not a huge cruise fan. And then again, I haven't really been on a solo cruise without kids in years. The cruise was a debacle, right? My son was little. This was like around like, I think it's maybe like three or four years old. So we had to get him in one of these gigantic strollers. We used to have this stroller that was like a semi truck. You know, it was gigantic. You couldn't get it down the hallway. It didn't fit in places. We insisted on bringing it. Uh, there was nothing to do for him. You know, it was like most of the, you go to a, a cruise, it's like, you know, slot machines and, uh, you know, shows. He didn't care about any of this stuff. He couldn't do any of the kid stuff. We were always with him. You know, my daughter was, I mean, this wasn't fun. So you find the things that are fun and we did. We found one fun thing, and it was by the pool. They had this little sprinkler park outside, and it was like SpongeBob, and he's squirting water and all this other stuff, and and it was nice, man. And and I'm watching as he's playing, and he's enjoying it as he enjoys it, kind of splashing in the water, sitting around. And there's this little kid, maybe a year or two older than him, just running around and playing with his family or whatever, this with his sisters and brothers or whatever. And I'm watching this kid, and this kid is neurotypical. And I'm watching him kind of out of this corner of his eye. He's like watching Lucas and he's watching us and he's, you know, not bothering us, but just kind of around. And Lucas is having fun and he's splashing. Now, keep in mind, there's water everywhere. 
like I'm getting it's it's squirting out of every possible place water could squirt out of in this little sprinkler park. There's water squirting out of it. It's hitting me. It's hitting everybody. And I guess Lucas is splashing or whatever. And this kid walks over to me and my ex-wife, right? And he goes, um, um, excuse me. Um, and he points at my son and he goes, um, he splashed me. And I looked at this kid. He must've been like, maybe like five, six. I went, yeah. I'm like, he probably doesn't like you. And I, <laughs> it just came out of my head. And this kid looks at me and his eyes like opened up and like got really wide. And then he walked away. And I remember my ex-wife was like, what the hell was that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody. Again, man, we're going to keep doing Fight Club references. It was like when uh, Ed Norton beat that guy up and Tyler Durden's like, where'd you go, psycho boy? It was definitely a very bizarre moment. I remember I was anticipating it. I'm like, I'm about to fight this kid's dad at some point. Uh, I was ready for it. No dad came over to fight me, uh, whether he wasn't there or whether, you know, I'm just so intimidating. Uh, either way, there was no follow-up to that, but I've always remembered that. Uh, and the fact that it was like immediate. Like there was nothing in my head that made me think about it. I didn't have to figure out the response. It was like, as soon as he said it, I'm like, he probably doesn't like you. Like he's like, oh. And that's always been the thing with, with Lucas. Like, um, now keep in mind, if this kid was in a restaurant and Lucas came over and splashed him with a cup of water, I would apologize profusely. We're in the freaking sprinkler park, man. Everybody's soaking wet. So things like that really annoy me. Don't, don't do that, you know? <laughs> I don't know. When it comes to Lucas, I'm going to defend him. Um, always going to look out for him. He is. That um, makes me feel good. I'm. I'm one of those people that I like to defend people. I protect people. If you're in my life, if you're somebody that I care about, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to defend you, whether you like it or not. And I've had issues with people that have been in my life that didn't like it. You know, where they've needed to be defended. Like I'm. You know, I'll stand up for them against people. Then why would you do that? You're going to start a fight. It's so stupid. I'm not going to let anybody talk to you like that or do this. And I've, I've had those issues throughout my days. Uh, and sometimes you struggle with that. People are kind of jerks about it. But when it comes to my son, he is the most vulnerable person in my world. Um, and I feel like a lot of that desire I have to protect people I care about kind of gets put on him, right? Uh, and he has no problem with it. He'll let me fight everybody. So we're, we're totally cool. So I will always defend my boy. Uh, and that was one of my, my favorite moments. I can still see that doofy little kid's face and like look at him punt him off the boat but yeah he uh probably didn't like him he probably didn't like him i didn't like him i don't know any kid's gonna come over and tattle on a on a four-year-old that he could obviously see um you know has special needs and he's gonna come over to the pay he splashed me i'll punch you in the face you little kid either way got it out felt good uh good day Good response. Good podcast. Thank you guys for letting me talk to you today. Uh, this has been a great podcast. I've really enjoyed getting a lot of these things out. Speaking about some things I haven't talked about before, I appreciate you giving me a listen. I appreciate you being here every single week, whether it's for the blogs Monday and Wednesday or here for the podcast on Friday. I appreciate it. Please come back next Friday. Uh, we'll talk some more. We've got plenty to talk about. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye-bye. I'm Dad.